Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today, we are talking with author and pastor Jim Collins about walking in love in the workplace. Now, Jim Collins has written a book, Beyond Positive Thinking. Jim Collins has set a stage for those positive thinking guys who never talk about God, and he's saying, beyond that, let's see what the scriptures have to say about Getting beyond just positive thinking, how about what does God say about life, how life really applies? And we're going to take all of that, and and we're going to try to contain Jim Collins today and talk about how we apply walking in love in the workplace, as as I've heard him speak yesterday at the Christian Chamber of Commerce. He did a fantastic job, and you got to hear this guy. So, Jim Collins... Thanks for joining us today on the air. Thanks so much, Jim. It's great to be here, and I'm so excited because I'm a marketplace ministry guy. Yes, you, you are a marketplace <laughs> ministry guy. I heard you speak. You did a great job. Now, just for the listening audience, know your microphone. When the microphone here is not broken, and know your speakers aren't funny. Jim talks funny. He's from, wait, from Massachusetts, you said? From uh, the South Shore of Boston. South Shore of Boston. So, if you hear him say some things, that's why it's not that I've got the you know, funny guy on the show. I actually lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for just nine months. So I got to experience the Northeast as, you know, as only a Midwestern boy could experience it. It was extraordinarily intimidating. (laughs) I would tell you that. It's not for the faint of heart to be there in Boston. Mm -hmm. 
That's that's for sure. I really I really liked it. I loved Boston in the summertime. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I did not like Boston in the winter time. I can relate. Okay. All right. So listen, talk about this is a show about Christians. No, I don't even say that. Christ followers in business. And so I like for people to start off when I have a guest on the show to talk about tell me how Jesus Christ impacted your life. Well, it's a great question, and uh, every Christ follower has a story. Correct. And my story kind of goes like this. In 1983, I was sitting at my desk in South Station in Boston reading a paper called the Electronic Newspaper, and it said, next month, Florida career opportunities. And I said, I'm going to check into this. I would love to go surfing. I was a summer guy. I, I'd surf. You know, I lived to surf back when I was a younger uh, person than I am right now. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to take advantage of that. So I looked in the paper. It said, next month, Florida career opportunities. And I came down to Palm Beach Gardens, Florida for an interview in February of 1984. On March 29th, 1984, I got on a flight at Logan Airport on Delta, and I moved to Jupiter, Florida on March 29th, 1984. That's awesome. And now, in 84, it was still nice here in Florida. It wasn't near as crowded. wasn't near as crowded. And where I live in Jupiter, uh, some people that are listening to this uh, can relate. I lived in Jupiter Village, which is about, I would say, maybe five miles away from the beach, and it took me about five Five minutes to get to the beach. It probably wasn't that far, but because I'm doing the math here, and I probably was speeding going to the beach. But uh, it was a, just two lanes. Indian Town Road was just two lanes: one east, one west, and it certainly has grown since then. And now that same trip takes you 25 minutes. On a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. I've seen pictures of our county right here in, in Tampa Bay of in the mid-80s, and it still is nice here. You know, Now mm-hmm. it's just a lot of pavement and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now, the people are nice, but it's crowded, and the traffic drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. God called you to be an author and a pastor. How did you get to this stage in your life doing both of those things? Well, it's a... It's a it's an interesting story, and uh, like I said, I moved here probably 30, you know, roughly 30 years ago. I think if my math is correct, it's about 30 yeah, plus sure years, yeah. and I won't go into the whole story, but on January 27th, 1985, I was invited to go to church at First Baptist Church in West Palm Beach, and I said to my friend who invited me, I said, I'd love to go with you. I went there as I'm sitting there in that church, First Baptist Church, West Palm Beach, Florida, I was listening to a preacher named Jack Graham preach the gospel, and I kept saying to myself, this is for me, this is for me, this is what I've been looking for my whole life, because I was brought up Catholic, I always loved the things of God, but I couldn't really get my head around it. I didn't know, I couldn't really understand it. And so I I sat there and I said, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And when he gave the altar call, I jumped up out of my seat, I went down to the front, and I was standing there by myself, and I looked around and I said, maybe I made a hasty decision, since I'm the only one here, but then my buddy came up and stood next to me, and I gave my heart to the Lord, not that uh, long after that, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've been excited about the things of God ever since. And I've been in and out of the business world and been in and out of ministry. And now here we are. And I'm a pastor, author, motivational speaker, and businessman all rolled into one and just having a ball, Jim. That's awesome. So Christ impacted your life in 1985 and 29 years later. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like you've slowed down at all. Well, I've had, I won't, I won't 
talk about the low points <laughs> over those last 29 or they're 30 not, years. They're not but, low points. But, <laughs> those aren't low points. Those are adversity <laughs> points that God puts in our lives to shape us from who we were to who we can use. They're not low points. They're, they're shaping points. They are shaping points. And, and when I look back on it and, you know, uh, I won't talk about too much of it on the air, but one-on-one, I've shared some of those things with people, and, and we've both started to uh, cry together because God can use anybody mm-hmm. at any time. He can take you from being a, 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 an on-fire Christ follower, and you could plummet. That's what happened to me. I plummeted into a depression, and I, and I look back now, and I'm like, how could that possibly have happened to me? But here I am today, you know, God's grace, God's favor, and, you know, he does take uh, lemons, and he does make lemonade. Yeah, he does. He adds a lot of sugar, too. It, what's amazing to me is how God can take those circumstances and just make us aware of the enemy warfare, because depression is one of those big-time enemy warfare tactics, you know, helping people start to think inward, inward, inward inward, 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 and it, and it drags you all the way down. And what's amazing to me, how the scriptures talk about the greatest way to get somebody out of depression is get them to start serving. Absolutely. And, it, and it's so amazing. I've seen it. Now, I understand there's some there's some clinical things where there's chemical stuff because our bodies are wearing out you know, sure. compared to creation. But most of the time, people, that it, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. I've seen it. It's just so cool how God can use that. All right. So God called you to write this book. And I, I, we're going to get to this in the, in the next se- section of the show. But God called you to write a book. Had you ever written a book before? No, I hadn't really written a book before. In 1990, I was teaching a uh, Bible study in a, in a home. And I started my Bible studies like this. This material that I'm sharing with you tonight is from my forthcoming book, Beyond Positive Thinking, Success and Motivation in the Scriptures. I had no idea what that even meant. I only knew that I loved motivational stuff. I've read a lot of books, listened to a lot of CDs, listened to a lot of tapes, loved the whole um, Nightingale Conan thing with Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret, and I had uh, studied electronics, but then I switched over to business, and then when I came to Florida, the company that hired me to come down here, a year and a half after I got here, they uh, closed the plant and laid everybody off. I said, well, i got to get into business. I didn't know anything about business. I took some courses (laughs) up at Northeastern, but I didn't know anything about it, and so I found out pretty quick what it was like to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch and grilled cheese sandwiches for dinner for several years while, while I went out every day and got my teeth kicked in trying to succeed in business. So uh, that's the journey that God took me on. And so that idea for the book was just kind of a faith statement that I made back in 1990. Hmm. I took all those notes from all those Bible studies and I put them into a file cabinet. Twelve years later, I was driving to Orlando to a health club conference with a friend of mine, and and I began to talk to him. He said, Jim, where is all this material that you're talking about, this beyond positive thinking, success and motivation in the scriptures? And I said, well, that's just in a file cabinet that I have. He said, I've never heard anything like this before. I have friends that have been trying to get me to get blankety blank born again, blankety, and every other word is kind of a little bit off, you know? (laughs) And so, and on that ride to to Orlando, Florida, this friend of mine gave his life to Jesus. Yeah, we just started talking about when his friend started motivating him on his way to Orlando, said, hey, when are you going to write this book, Beyond Positive Thinking? And Jim, you were saying that you that this guy accepted Christ 
right on your way to Orlando. But before we get back to that story, I really want to hit the, our book highlight segment. And this is a book that I believe will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life. And as always, this section is sponsored by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. All right, the name of the book today that we're highlighting is Beyond Positive Thinking, Success and Motivation. And the description is written none other than by our own Jim Collins right here that we've got in the studio today. Author and motivated motivational speaker Jim Collins explains how God's Word can help you to create the life you were designed to live by tapping into your God-given abilities. He emphasizes life application of the truths in Scripture to help readers reach his or her full potential. Beyond Positive Thinking expounds on the Scriptures, making them come alive so that you are able to relate to those living in the 21st century. These principles will help you, the reader, achieve freedom from fear, anxiety, and negative thinking. Listen, you need to call into the studio and get this free book today, 855-265-2929. Remember, you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, we're back in studio with Jim Collin, author and pastor. Jim, you were talking about you're on your way to Orlando to a health club conference, I believe you said, and you're having a conversation. Your buddy says, Jim, where, where's all of this uh, d- documentation put together? Where's all this book that you say keep saying you're going to read? And through this conversation, you lead this guy to Christ. Is that what started the process to get the book written? Well, I had the notes pr- previously from all those Bible studies that I did years before, but that was the inspiration that caused me to pull those notes out. I pulled those notes out. I... Um, constructed them into a book form that took me four months took me another four months to find a publisher so in eight months I had within eight months I had 5,000 copies of my first Beyond Positive Thinking book and that was back in 2002 Hmm, that's fantastic. So how many have you sold and given away since then? Well, my first printing, we, we moved all 5,000 out. And then recently, about two years ago, two, three years ago, the book that we are giving away on the air today is my new Beyond Positive Thinking book. And I just, uh, like I said, I just finished writing, writing that book about two or so years ago. And um, so we have probably about 2,500 or 3,000 of those in circulation so far. That's awesome. Congratulations. All right. So all week long, we've been talking about Love. All we need is love. And, and, I, and I, I, I prepped the show with, what's love got to do with it? And we've been talking about love in the workplace. On Monday, we talked about the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Because people, which is really an application of the five love languages in the workplace setting. And it's so important that we recognize that people need to be loved. And sometimes they're not getting love at home. And it's nice for them to, they, a lot of times they go to work because that's where they are getting loved. So we talked about that on Monday. On Tuesday, we actually talked about the five love languages and how it applies to our families and our spouses and how important it is to make sure we have solid families and spousal relationships at home. Because if they're not, it messes with our work environment. Because if things are bad at home, you take it to work with you. So today I want to take this whole positive, beyond positive thinking idea that you shared yesterday at the Christian Chamber of Commerce, and I want to take it and I want to expand that because people need to hear what you had to say. I mean, I love one of the things, I, I, I loved what you said. You said so many great things yesterday, but we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, our general person is, purpose is to glorify God, but our specific purpose is to have fellowship with the Lord. A lot of times when I'm talking to people, they're trying to figure out, you know, what is this whole God thing about? I said, listen, you were designed to have a one-on-one relationship with our Heavenly Father. There is nothing that will ever fill that emptiness in your life but that relationship with our Heavenly Father. He 
is so interested in that. And then I go back and I tell the story of the Garden of Eden. Because a lot of people miss this when they're reading the story of the Garden of Eden. You know, they, they read the story about Adam and Eve sinned, and then they heard the, the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day in the garden, and they hid. They were afraid, so they hid. And like, everybody misses that part, and they go like, why are they hiding? You know, they're hiding, they're putting fig leaves on, or whatever the leaves were. And they missed the point. Yes, they were ashamed they had sinned, but they missed the point that they recognized the sound of their heavenly father walking in the garden in the cool today. How do they recognize that? Because he came all the time. They knew the sound of her heavenly father because he gave life to Adam and Eve because he wanted a relationship with them. He wants a relationship with you and me, and he designed us that way. They knew what it was like to walk with the Lord. They walked hand in hand with them. That's what he desires for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing in that story that that strikes me is they ran from God in fear, but God pursued them in love. And that's what we miss. We miss, you know, it's our perception of God. I think a lot of people have a wrong perception of God. Is God your wonderful, loving, heavenly father? Or is he God, the mean, bad dude that's looking to whack you over the head with a sledgehammer every time you make a mistake? Well, he's the first. He's obviously, he's our wonderful, loving, heavenly father. But, Jim, as you said just a moment ago, if we don't see ourselves and feel about ourselves the same way God does, with unconditional love. If we don't first receive God's love, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to share God's love. And what we're talking about today, sharing God's love in the workplace. Yeah. And it's so powerful because people are hurting and you're seeing it all the time. People are, they look inward, they, 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 they see their inadequacies and they feel unlovable. You know, they got tough. They grew up in tough households where maybe they weren't loved or mom left or dad left. And so they're struggling with, why did my mom and dad leave me? A lot of times mom and dad left mom or dad, not the kids, but that was a casualty. And so they grew up in that household. Then they go in, they get in relationships where that becomes unhealthy because they learned unhealthy relationships and it keeps perpetuating in their life. And they don't recognize the fact that they keep trying to fill that emptiness, that emptiness that you and I know is filled with our relationship with our heavenly father. But they, they, they keep filling it with money, success, relationships, whatever, and it, and it never fills the hole. Absolutely. And a lot of times when we talk about walking in love, we talk about it from a proactive perspective. You know, you, what you have to do, you have to walk in love. You have to be nice to everybody in the workplace and in your personal life. And what we sometimes forget about is we not only have to be nice to people. I mean, God's called us to walk in love. But unless we first receive his love personally for ourselves, it's going to be very difficult to share that. Now, the importance of receiving God's love and sharing God's love is summed up in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 8 and 16. God is love. God, love is not something God does. It's who he is. God is love. So when we walk in love, i.e., when we receive God's love personally and then share that love because of the fullness that we've received. Like you said earlier, we're created to have a personal relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. Until we receive that and share that, we are not living on God's frequency because God's frequency is a love, love frequency. Why? Because God is love. And when we don't receive God's love and share God's love, then we're off of God's frequency and many times his power and ability are not available to us because we're on the wrong frequency. Well, and, and, and as we try to relate this to the workplace, because a lot of us, we, we, 
we don't look at the workplace like a ministry place. And it really is, it's a clash between the marketplace and the ministry place. Because a lot of people say, well, you can't do ministry at work. That is such a pile of bunk. It is such, there is so much ministry that can be done every day in the workplace, but we have to, we have to look for it. We got to, we got to be prepared for it. We have to be, we just got to be keeping our eyes open. And then we need to be praying, Holy Spirit, help me to hear you (laughs) when you're trying to knock on my head saying, this person needs to be touched. And you talk, you talked about that yesterday about those God incidences, but I want to, I don't want to jump right to that. I want, you said right yesterday, the beginning of your, of your talk to the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay, that living by faith means you respond to life instead of reacting to your circumstances. And that's powerful because most people are in reaction mode. What did you mean? That, that, that's so true. And let, let me say it this way, add a couple of words to that. Um, we've got to be mindful as Christ followers to respond to life with the Word of God. Instead of always just reacting to our circumstances. You know, the tendency is to react to what's going on. For example, let's apply it to the workplace. Somebody, my, my workmate or what have you, they offend me. They hurt me. They disappoint me. They let me down. What am I going to do with that offense? If I don't send that offense away, I get to hold on to it. Now, here's the problem with that. I've just reacted to the sense realm in the form of my circumstances. Instead of responding with unconditional love the same way that God responded to me. So I have an opportunity now. Whenever someone offends me, what what does it mean to be offended? Whenever someone hurts me and disappoints me, and lets me down. Can anybody say amen that's listening to this? Or am I the only one that has ever experienced those one of those three things? Yeah, well, no, you know that's not the case. <laughs> and so when, when we have a situation like that happen to us, we have an opportunity. Are we going to respond with the Word of God, or are we going to react, and are we going to hold on to that offense? If we really believe that God loves us unconditionally, and remember, a lot of people don't believe that. They believe God's a mean, bad dude, and he's and he's just reacting to us based on our performance. Do good and be blessed. Do bad and, and be cursed. No, 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 no. That is not new covenant teaching. Now, that's not so old covenant we, teaching <laughs> either. That's that's not. When you look at the Old Testament, so many people misunderstand. I know the first time I read my Bible when I was a thirteen-year-old, I looked at the Old Testament, the New Testament. And I said, "How come it seems like the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament?" Then I kept reading it and reading it and reading it. God is so patient. I mean, if I I were God, which I'm not, and we should all be thankful for that. The Israelites would have been nuclear. They'd have been the Sodom and Gomorrah. I'd have pulled, totally pulled the trigger. When Moses was arguing with God at the top of the mountain, and God was saying, I'm just going to wipe them out and go through you, Moses. I, there's no way I'd have let Moses not convince me to do that. I mean, they were down there worshiping gold idols, and God had just brought them out of Egypt with the most incredible miracle. So, the God, it's, I know the new covenant, the law has been taken care of by Christ's sacrifice, and there's nothing we need to do, but God is still the same. He's so incredibly patient, because if it had been me, the Israelites, <laughs> they wouldn't be around as a people, because of how they just kept spitting in his face. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing and, to me. You know, and and to, to go back to the story in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, they were afraid. They hid from the presence of God, it says, and God was pursuing them with love, and he continues to pursue every person with love today, Jim. All right. So you said yesterday when you're talking to the Christian Chamber of Commerce, why are we here on this earth? You asked that question. And it's because it's a, we are 100% pure potentiality. God builds 100% pure. I, did, I got that right. 100% pure mm-hmm. potentiality built into us. W- what do you mean? 
Absolutely. He, he certainly does. And I like to say it this way. Every human being, you'll never look at another human being the same way again after I say this. Every human being was created by God as a miracle with unlimited potential. Now, that's an incredible thing because we look at people and, and how do we size them up? We size them up in part by the results that they're getting in their life. If someone's in trouble all the time and they're not doing good, we say, oh, there's something wrong with that person. That, that person got problems. And maybe they do have problems. Maybe they do have challenges. Don't we all? But some of, yeah. us, know how to, to that. Some of us know how to hide it a little bit better than others. And so I'm raising my hand in the studio on that one. But um, God created every person as a miracle with unlimited Potential, And that's where we all start. And what we have to do now is we have to learn how to tap into the force that created the universe. How? Living by faith and walking in love. That's how you do it. And if I, if I was going to sum up beyond positive thinking with one phrase, what is beyond positive thinking? It's living by faith and walking in love according to who you are in Christ. Living by faith and walking in love according to who we are in Christ. All right. Now, I, I love the way you introed Beyond Positive Thinking yesterday at the Christian Chamber. You talked about, well, let's just, just give that intro. After reading and listening to hundreds of motivational books, tapes, and CDs, what I found was that the, you can tell I've done this a hundred times, uh, what I found was that the positive, what the positive thinking gurus were espousing as far as success principles were simply biblical truths that would work for anyone who applied them. And I began to teach those biblical truths, and the result was the book, Beyond Positive Thinking, Success and Motivation in the Scriptures. It's amazing how many business books are exactly like that. They won't give God the credit, but they use scriptures. I mean, there are so many scriptural principles at work in the workplace today that people don't ever give God the credit. So, And then sometimes people write books and they use scriptural principles. They just don't call it scripture because that'll freak people out. But that's okay. I'm okay with freaking people out because people need to realize there is a God. He has miraculously changed my life. Jesus Christ died for me. My life has never been the same. And there's a lot of people out there denying God's existence because it makes them feel guilty. And you know, that's a great point, Jim. You know, it makes them feel guilty. And for what reason? There's no reason to feel guilty because Jesus became our substitute to dispose of that guilt. But see, people are just not aware of it. And see, that's the challenge. I have no problem going into a secular group of people and speaking before a secular group of people and preaching just like I, I did today. No problem at all. You know why? Because I know that what every single person needs more than anything else is to feel the love of God for themselves personally. And that's what they're going to get. Well, but sometimes God uses, you know, I would say in answer to the question, the feeling guilty thing, the Holy Spirit uses guilt to draw attention to people's need for a savior. And uh, so I, I, I look at guilt as a positive thing, because if people deny that there's a God, then they don't feel guilty for all the garbage that they're involved in. But the minute they recognize that there's God, then all of a sudden then you have to recognize that there's moral absolutes and there's a black and white world. And then all of a sudden you need to realize there needs to be a solution for this because you're in a dead end. So I like the idea of the guilt, not that we live by guilt because Christ paid the price for our sins. I don't live a guilt with guilt with all the stuff that I've done in my life or that I'm going to do because Christ has paid for that. Amen. But guilt got me, <laughs> guilt got me motivated to find a savior. I needed Absolutely. a savior. You know, there's some great songs. I'd like to sing some of them, but I can't sing. <laughs> all right. So you, you shared the, So we're, we're a hundred percent miracle. I, I loved again. I'm just going to repeat it again. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, our general purpose is to give glory to God, but our specific purposes purpose is to fellowship with God. Talk to me about that. Well, God created uh, Adam and Eve, 
and he really created them to, for fellowship. What do you do every day? You said it earlier. He spent time with them every single day. Now, let's apply the analogy to marriage relationship. When my wife Peggy and I got married a little over four years ago, we entered into a legal relationship in the eyes of the state. But that relationship will not grow unless we enter into daily fellowship. And so it is with God. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe as who? Who is it? It's, a, it's our loving Heavenly Father. So he sets up that relationship. He initiates it. But then once the relationship is, is established, once I place my faith in Christ and confess Jesus as my Lord, it's now mostly my responsibility to participate in fellowship. And that's why God created us is to have fellowship with him. And then, as I said yesterday, through the process of realizing our God-given dreams, because God puts stuff in our heart and it's nothing to be afraid of. You know, God puts a big dream in your heart and you're like, oh no, God, don't give me such a big dream. Hey, wait a minute. Don't worry about whether you have the ability to achieve it or not. Just embrace it and say, wow, is this one of the ways that God is showing me how much he loves me by putting this big dream in my heart? He'll give me the ability, which is simply his grace, to do it, and incredible things will begin to happen. Well, I read a book in 2009 by Francis Chan, who's a pastor, well, used to be a pastor out in San Francisco, and it was called Forgotten God, all about the work of the Holy Spirit, which most evangelical churches don't talk about the Holy Spirit because it freaks them out, because they don't really understand the Holy Spirit, which I don't know that you can really understand the Holy Spirit, but okay, except for he gives the words of God to us us in our hearts. And that's a simplification. But what, it, what it's said in there is that if all we ever do is we're, we're, we're successful with our natural gifts, talents, and abilities, then we get the credit. But if God uses us to do something that is totally unexplainable by our natural t- gifts, talents, and abilities, then God gets the credit. And that's how I prayed. I said, Lord, that's the kind of life I want to lead. I want to lead a life that is only explainable by you. I want the success to be explainable by you. That that big vision thing. You know, I'd like to see a million Christ-following business owners being Jesus alive in their workplace. That's what I see. I want to take this show and take it nationwide so that we're challenging people every day at drive time to be Jesus in their workplace. Because most of the people that go to work will never darken the doorsteps of a church. And that's a that's an excellent point because, like you said, most people that are out there, they may never go to a church. So who's going to be there? Uh, who's going to show them what Jesus looks like? Well, it's going to have to be Christ followers in, in the workplace. And what better way to do that than to embrace some of the beyond positive thinking principles that we're discussing today? All right. Well, let's talk about that walking in love. Let's talk about the walking in love thing, because you said living by faith and walking in love can expedite the realization of your God given dream. That's why you started off the walking in love part of your conversation mm-hmm. yesterday at the chamber. What I want to talk about we we start talking about how we impact people because we're really talking about impacted people. When we're walking in love, we're trying to touch the lives of people. So when you take that statement, living by faith and walking in love can expedite the realization of your God-given dream. What do you mean? Well, let's just talk about one part of that, the walking in love part. Okay. Jim, who is going to want to be around you more? The person that you treat good are the person that you treat as a second-class citizen. Well, obviously, the person I treat well. Obviously. So that's the walk in love part. It's so simple. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verse 7 from the Amplified has this phrase, 
Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And don't we sometimes, we look at people and we size them up. We judge them. I mean, I know as Christ follows, we're not supposed to judge. Jesus said, don't judge. Paul said, don't judge. This one said, don't judge. That one said, don't judge. But we do. At oh, least I do. do. I do. Oh, no, I do. And, I struggle with being judgmental. Absolutely. And and if we're, if we're going to do that, then that... We're not believing the best of that person. Why? It goes back to every human being is a miracle of God with unlimited potential. So we've got to believe the best of people. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about what that means and some practical ways to do that. So say that verse, the Amplified Scripture again. The Amplified Translation of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, it says a bunch of things. But right in the center of it, it says, love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And isn't it true that when you get an encouraging word, I know this is true for me, when you get an encouraging word, you feel like a million bucks. You know someone believes in you. A million bucks doesn't really go very far today, but maybe I feel like a billion bucks. Okay. Because a million bucks just doesn't buy what it used to. It's just not, you know, I used to think, boy, if I had a million bucks, I could retire. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Okay, Jim, let's get right back to this. You said yesterday at the chamber meeting that you spoke at the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay, that uh, you started off with how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself. Those two things will determine what you believe in your heart, and what you believe in your heart will determine what you do, and what you do will determine how your life turns out. We know what to do, but sometimes we just can't do it. Why? Because we don't see ourselves and feel about ourselves the same way God does. And that's where the whole in him reality comes from. Who are you in Christ? God says this about you. Oh, I don't see myself that way. Wait a minute. Tilt, tilt, tilt. We've got to adjust our thinking. Like you said at the beginning of the show, Romans 12, 2 from the New Living Translation. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you. Now, that's how we see ourselves. Now, what about the way I feel? This is huge because a lot of times in, you know, we talk about faith and things. It's like, oh, ignore your feelings. We talk about responding versus reacting. We're not saying ignore your feelings, but don't beat yourself up if, if God said, I sent my son, so you don't have to beat yourself up. Just get on his program. Hey, are we going to make mistakes? Of course we're going to make mistakes. Are we going to, you know, stumble at times? Of course we're going to stumble. Are we going to react instead of respond at times? Of course we are. But don't let that affect the way you feel about yourself because you've connected the way you feel about yourself with the way God feels about you. He loves you unconditionally and he is passionate about growing that personal relationship. And he created you you as a miracle. There's no question. Okay, you asked asked another question. Why love? Love. You said, why love? And we're talking about walking in love in the workplace. Why love? Because we live in a world full of people. That's, what? That's a very <laughs> profound statement. We do live in a world full of people and other things, but that's right. Why love? Because the other things don't respond to love, but people respond to love. It impacts their lives. So let's talk about you know, how we reach out to people. And you said, you know, walking through, we gave a great Description of walking to the grocery store. You walk into the grocery store, you're pushing your cart, and uh, you, uh, when, while you're pushing your cart, you look up and you're passing somebody, and instead of just keeping your head down and moving on to the, you know, the you know, canned bean section, you look up to them and you say hi and you smile. And, yeah. and they look back at you and say, I don't even know this person, but they accepted me because they smiled at me. 
It's incredible. Try, try it. Just try it. I'm, saying all, all, I'm telling all of our listeners just, just to try this, you know, wherever you are. It doesn't have to be in the grocery store, but, you know, I like to eat food, so I guess that's what came to my mind. <laughs> I like to eat as well. <laughs> so wherever you are and your eyes connect with another person, smile at them. That's the joy of the Lord coming through you. You smile at them, and what goes off in their mind subconsciously oftentimes is, I don't even know this person, but they accept me because they smiled at me. Now, let's back up to believe in the best of people. Two of the ways that we can believe the best of of people are by accepting them and appreciating them. And one of the ways that we can convey acceptance to people is simply by smiling when our eyes meet. All right, so you t- that's acceptance. The, the, the thoughts that people go through their minds when they see you smile at them, hey, they accepted me because they smiled at me. And how about this one? I don't even know that person, but they appreciate me because they told me so in the form of a compliment. I wrote that down when you said that. Why are compliments so powerful in the workplace? Well, I think it goes back to love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. When we encourage someone with a positive word... It lifts their spirits. It denotes appreciation. Now, if you'll go back and read through the Gospels, you'll find, what did Jesus do? He accepted people and he appreciated people. People that we, as humans, would judge. He didn't judge them. He accepted them and he appreciated them. That's incredible to me. Well, it's incredible. And, and you, you know, part of our tabletop discussion was talking about one of the questions was about divine appointments. And I love that because that is something that I've learned to appreciate about my Heavenly Father. You know, divine appointments. What, what Jesus demonstrated divine appointments all the time. You know, one of his greatest assets, one of the greatest things he demonstrated was when he was on his way to go somewhere. He didn't get distracted by his destination and miss the scenery along the way. He saw people along the way. He was walking on the road. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree. Now, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And I'm not going to sing that song either. But he noticed him and said, hey, I'm going to have dinner with you. Now, there was huge crowds around Jesus all the time. How about the other time? Jesus is walking through the crowds. And the woman says, if all I got to do is she'd been mistreated by doctors for years and years and years. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. And she goes, I just want to touch the cloak of his robe. And he stops and said, hey, who touched me? And everybody's going, who touched you? We got a thousand people walking around. You mean who touched you? He goes, no, no, no. I felt power go out. And he stopped and he looked at the woman in her eyes and he took a moment and said, your faith has healed you. I mean, mm-hmm. he ne- he looked for those divine appointments all the time. He, he did. And if he had, like what you just said a moment ago, Jim, you know, we have the destination in sight. Hey, I've got my day timer. I've got my 10 things to People do. People don't today. have day timers anymore, Jim. Oh. <laughs> You're showing your age. Now, we had day timers and we had Palm Pilots. People actually use uh, the you know Google Calendar today. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Let me come into the 21st entry. You got your Google Calendar. You got 10 things to do, but time only permits you to do, let's say, seven of them. Maybe not even. Probably, probably time permits you to do three of those 10 things. But anyway, so you've got your focus on, on the destination, just like Jesus did with that woman with the issue of blood. But he stopped to attend to her. And guess what some other people were saying down by Jairus' house? Wait a minute. What are you wasting time here for? Don't you know my daughter's just about dead? Let's, let, let's get with the program here. Right. And, you know, what does positive thinking tell us? Positive thinking says, you know, go, go, go. Do, do, do. Be, be, be. You know what beyond positive thinking says? Thank you, Father, for divine opportunities and divine connections today. Thank you, Father, for that today. And so now we have to be more Proactive, not so much reactive. Reacting to what? Reacting to our agenda. 
reacting to my Google, uh, my day timer. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, still, no, I'm still you, 30 years ago. But, right, but I want to talk about what that looks like in the workplace in the last couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Because divine appointments are those appointments where you're sitting there and you know what your employee looks like on a normal good day. Or you know what your coworker looks like on a normal good day. Those divine appointments are when we're on our way to the copier and we see, hey, uh, Betty doesn't look right today. Betty seems a little down today. I gotta go just forget my agenda. I know I got copied. I'm just gonna go stop. I'm her supervisor. I'm, Betty, what's going on? You know, those those divine appointments. Hey, Bob, you just don't seem like yourself today. There, there was somebody yesterday at the Christian Chamber. Uh, they're normally bubbly and patting everybody on the back and I, they're just normally a very smiley person. And I looked at her and I said, well, I would just say her name, Donna. Hey, What's going on? And she shared how her arm was killing her. You could just tell in her face she had hurt her arm, and it was just killing her. You could just tell. It's to take the time and to notice what's going on around us. That's how Jesus touched people. And and if you can be Jesus to that person, that makes a huge impact. And when Jesus did do that, when he took the time for people, the power of God was always available to meet the need. That's what's amazing to me. When Jesus took the time, I'll say it again, when Jesus took the time to stop and help people to believe the best of them, to accept them, to appreciate them, the power of God always showed up to help accomplish whatever God's plan and purpose was there. And I think we can take that right into the workplace and everybody listening can say, you know, when I take the time to notice people, to encourage people, to walk in love in the workplace, that's what we're talking about. Know this, listener, that the power of God is available and will show up when you take the time to do just that. Yeah, it's amazing. How God works is just amazing. And it's so powerful. What I have seen is just when you're touching the lives of somebody, when you're being used to touch the lives of somebody, and it's just, oh, it's so rewarding. It's better than anything else that happens in your day when you're used mm-hmm. to actually lift somebody up and then you pray with them. And it just makes such an impact on their lives. It, it, and it takes and it takes the whole hum, uh, you know, boredom of a normal day. Oh, I got to go to this workplace again. I got to do the same old, same old. It takes that totally out of the equation because now life is an exciting adventure. It is. It is absolutely. All right, as we come to the close of another I Work for Him show, picture this, if you will: the sun is shining and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean. Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt air now as we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. February 5th through the 9th, 2015, will be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer. Just a few minutes together. How about a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time right on the agenda. Plan now to attend this much-anticipated retreat. Join me and my wife, Martha, as we go on a cruise marriage retreat next February. Just send me an email, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com, or all the details are on the I Work For Him website, iworkforhim.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.